sqpn.com presents The Secrets of Angels and Demons. The Illuminati, in an act of revenge, has threatened to destroy the Vatican. A cataclysmic event equivalent to about five kilotons. Ironically, the Vatican has called upon Robert Langdon, an old foe in their minds, to help decipher mysterious Illuminati codes. There's a hidden trail through Rome itself that leads to the place where the Illuminati would meet in secret. Langdon deduces that in order to save the Cardinals in Vatican City, he must follow the Illuminati path of illumination through Rome. I need a map showing all the churches of Rome. At particular churches, Langdon knows that he will find the symbols for earth, air, fire, and water. Help! Somebody! Hello and welcome to another episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. I am Father Roderick and I'm here in Rome at the end of the Via del Corso, one of the main shopping streets of the center of Rome. It's uh, currently in the shadow, but as I walk towards this big square in front of me, I'm going to leave the shadow and I'm going to be in a blazing sunlight here. And uh, this square is magnificent. It's very famous from a number of movies and, uh, and also features in Angels and Demons. This is the first real location um, that is indicated by uh, Galileo in his Again, fictional uh, writing that uh, is discovered by Robert Langdon in the secret archives of the Vatican. Um, he says that, you, you, well, actually, <laughs> Galileo not really explicitly says, but he kind of indicates that this is the place, um, the, first, the first marker uh, to find this road of uh, illumination. And, uh, and that is hopefully uh, the clue to the location where these four cardinals uh, will will be found hopefully before they get killed and so when you leave the Via del Corso uh, you see on the end of um, both of the sides of the street actually you see a twin church two almost identical churches uh, one on the left one on the right and this one here on the left is the Chiesa Santa Maria dei Miracoli the church of uh, the Holy Mary of, of Miracles. And uh, this church is currently under construction or it's, it's being uh, uh, restored. Uh, but these are not the churches uh, that were indicated by the secret writings of Galileo. It is actually a church on the other side of the square and I'm walking across the square now in the direction of that church. In the middle of this square is an imposing, beautiful obelisk and you can clearly see all the Egyptian markings and designs engraved in the stone of the obelisk. On top of it is a cross and uh, the, the symbol of the coat of arms of one of the popes who ordered the, uh, the, the, the placement of the obelisk here in the center of the uh, square of Piazza del Popolo. And, um, in the uh, surrounding uh, the obelisk are uh, four small fountains, lions that are spitting clear blue water in a small pool. Great place to hang out, of course, on a hot day like this one. On my right, there is another uh, monument and a fountain on top of a hill. Actually, that leads up, there's a staircase there that leads up to a beautiful park 
um, that we might visit another time. And on my left is another fountain that is featured, I think, uh, which movie was that? It's one of those famous, famous black and white movies. Perhaps La Dolce Vita, or I don't, I don't remember. But uh, I, again, this is an iconic square in, uh, in cinematography. And so uh, pretty neat that is also used in this new movie, Angels and Demons. Now the church that I am walking towards is uh, located on the right-hand side of a big gate. There is this uh, huge portal in the center of the square. Felici Fausto cui ingressui anno domini, etc., etc. With again uh, the symbol of a papal family on top. And then on the right is this church called the Santa Maria del Popolo. So the Virgin Mary of the people. Uh, this, uh, this church is located northeast of the piazza, not southeast, as uh, is erroneously uh, said in the book. One of the problems of Angels and Demons was that I think uh, Robert, uh, Robert Langdon and Dan Brown uh, didn't really do much research, research on location. Uh, he got most of his information from the internet. So sometimes he just gets the location uh, of, of, the, uh, of the churches and buildings wrong, or he underestimates, for instance, the time that it takes to go from one place to another. Now, um, the front of the church is closed. The big, uh, kind of weathered wooden doors are firmly closed and it's impossible to enter there. However, we find uh, some information about this church right on the right-hand side of the entrance, of the main entrance. Let me read you a, a little bit of the historical background of this church and then we'll try to, uh, to get inside. According to a medieval legend, a walnut tree infested by devils in the guise of crows rose from the ashes of the Emperor Nero which were kept in the tomb of the Domitians on the slopes of the Pincio Hill. In 1099, with the aim of exercising the area and giving thanks for the liberation of Jerusalem, which had occurred in July of that year at the end of the First Crusade, Pope Pasquale II built a chapel in honor of the Virgin Mary, which was built and paid for by the people of Rome and called it Santa Maria del Popolo, Saint Mary of the People. The building was enlarged in 1227 by Pope Gregory IX, who in 1235 placed there the venerated icon of the Madonna del Popolo, the Madonna of the people. Later, the church was completely rebuilt under Pope Sixtus IV, probably on a project by Andrea Bregno. It would seem to have been the Augustinian fathers of the Lombard congregation who had commissioned the church who influenced the use of Lombardi-style elements, such as the bell tower with pinnacles at the corners and with a conic cusp covered in terracotta, the octagonal drum of the dome and the chapels on a polygonal plan. The church, which has maintained its 15th century appearance, was partly modified at the start of the 16th century by Donato Bramante, who, extending the choir stall, also built the main chapel with a caisson vault and the new apse with a semi-dome chapel, a semi-dome shaped like, hu like a huge shell. Now, where does Raphael 
uh, enter the picture because that of course is important to the story of angels and demons. In 1513, Raphael started work on the beautiful Chigi Chapel or Chigi Chapel. In uh, 1627, Cardinal Antonio Sauli commissioned the new high altar, uh, yada yada yada, and it just moves on uh, with m more information. Let's see. So the famous Chigi Chapel was designed by Raphael for Agostino Chigi, a wealthy banker who wished to make his, this his family's tomb. It was completed by Bernini. Interesting. So. Raphael started the tomb, Bernini completed it. Bernini, we're talking 1652, 1656. That's uh, four years that he worked on, on this chapel. And so it is the tomb, the, the chapel that serves as a tomb for the family of the Chigis, these, these wealthy bankers, that is uh, the location of you know, Bernini's first clue as to where um, the Illuminati could be found. So let's see if there's, a, if there's an entrance, if the church is open and if we can go take a look inside. Here's the road uh, that um, leads you to the park up on the hill on the right side of the square. And here is the entrance, uh, side entrance to the church. And let's see. stairs. I'm not in the church itself but in a hallway next to the church and here's a metal uh, entrance and it indicates that this is the entrance to the church. Let's walk in. So we're entering the church on the right hand side. There's a big dome in the middle. The altar underneath it with a very modern crucifix of Jesus who seems to be, forgive me the expression, seems to be bungee jumping. I don't really like that hyper-modern art. Anyway, uh, there's a beautiful uh, fresco in the top of the dome and some side chapels here. It's always nice and cool in these chapels. And uh, it's a pretty dark church, small windows, no stained glass at all, just plain transparent glass and lots of side altars with beautiful paintings. Some tourists, some people praying in the church, signing themselves with uh, holy water. Walking uh, at the entrance of the church here, uh, which is now opened, by the way. Just a few minutes ago, it was still closed, so I guess in the afternoon it opens again. This is the Monte Mirabile Chapel. 
and um, I think this is it. At least I can see the um, the pyramids here on the left and on the right. The uh, main altar is covered um, in scaffolding. It's uh, being restored and here on the left is some information about the Chigi Chapel. Let me read that for you. The Chigi was granted by Julius II in 1507 to the Sienese banker Agostino Chigi, who was considered one of the richest men in the Roman Renaissance. He engaged Raphael to decorate the chapel. The painter had already worked for the Sienese magnet of, for his residence, the Farnesina. Raphael, at the time, uh, we're talking 1514, employed for the new Basilica of St. Peter's, created a scale model of the Bramante design of the Vatican Basilica with the great entrance arch taken from the ancient model of the Pantheon. Only the mosaics from the Raphael design were used from a design by the master, as well as the side statues of Jonah, carved by Lorenzetto, his, uh, one of his pupils, I think, or was it uh, one of the pupils of uh, Bernini, I forgot, and uh, Elia, completed by Raffaello da Montelupo. In the 50s, approximately, Salviati frescoed the lunettes and drum of the dome and completed a canvas left unfinished by Sebastiano del Piombo in 1534. In the mid-17th uh, century, Pope Alexander VII uh, Chigi, also a Chigi, the great-grandson of the original owner, decided to complete the family chapel. He engaged Bernini, there we go, to carve the two side statues of Daniel and Habakkuk and the large funeral monuments of Agostino and Sigismondo Chigi. The latter has been initiated, had been initiated by Lorenzetto and Raffaello da Montelupo in 1522, probably based on a design by Raphael. Excuse me, stepping on some toes here. So this is interesting. So the um, the first question that uh, Robert Langdon asks, and you know, when he sees this location, is like, "Hey, that's weird. Pyramids in a Christian church? How come?" Suggesting that it, that, that it's very special or very mysterious. Well, it's it's not. <laughs> As you understand, the pyramid itself is uh, from the Egyptian culture, and uh, for the Egyptians, of course, symbolized the afterlife. The pyramids were the places where they would bury their pharaohs and it was the resting place and it was supposed to be a good place. It was the place where the uh, de dead would live on and that is why they stuffed these pyramids with all sorts of food and, and, uh, and you know, all sorts of treasure so that they could live on forever. Now this symbol of the pyramid as symbolizing the afterlife um, was it was um, used by the Romans as well, and later on was uh, reused in the Rena Renaissance, um, and and so it was completely absorbed by uh, the Christian uh, art as um, a more universal symbol of uh, eternal life and uh, and happiness in heaven and salvation also, and so um, it's it's very important uh, to uh, to see that you know Bernini did not. Uh, design these uh, these pyramids that that is all part of Raphael's plan and uh, Bernini later on created these statues and these statues are very important um, according to uh, to the story of angels and demons these statues point in a certain direction um, which is uh, the direction of the Vatican which is supposed to be the second place this second marker 
um, that will indicate the path of light that you have to follow in order to find the uh, congregation of the Illuminati. However, the statues themselves and the way they're positioned here in the chapel uh, are not at all a clue left by Bernini that has to do anything with the Illuminati. Actually, these statues of Daniel and Habakkuk have a symbolic uh, meaning. And uh, I want to look up the exact data on that just to give you the full picture. Um, so I found some information about that that I would like to read. Um, these two statues were, uh, were put there later on to fill uh, you know, an empty part of the chapel. Um, but they wanted to, uh, to actually um, put forward, uh, forward a totally different message than just the location of the Illuminati. So um, in finishing the chapel decorations, uh, Bernini carved two major figures in marble for two of the empty niches in the space. A figure of Daniel and a depiction of Habakkuk and the angel. The first is on the back left of the chapel. Let me see. Yeah, I can see him. That's Daniel in the lion's den. A famous story, of course, in the Old Testament. And uh, the second is dia diagonally opposite, flanking the right of the altar. And it's... Let's see if I can see it. Is it around? Oh, it's around there. It's around a corner. It's kind of hard to see. Now, um, as the great uh, Bernini scholar Rudolf Wittkower explained, the image of Daniel in the lion's den is a symbol of salvation. And so, too, is Habakkuk and the angel. In the midst of bringing food to laborers in the field, the story goes, Habakkuk was miraculously diverted by an angel to Daniel's den. Habakkuk points to his original goal, while the angel points instead to Daniel. The story that relates the two Old Testament prophets is recounted in a unique version of the Greek Septuagint text of the book of Daniel that was part of the Shigi library. Neither Langdon nor his creator allude to this richness of meaning, either out of ignorance or perhaps because of the unwelcome implication of the Pope's own role, rather than Bernini's, in creating the imagery of this supposedly anti-papal anti chapel. Whether by design or coincidence, in pointing to Daniel, Habakkuk's guiding angel also points in the actual direction of the Vatican. This is the sign that propels both Langdon and the narrative back to St. Peter's Square. So there you go. Now also on the floor of this chapel there is this uh, intriguing um, picture of, uh, of a skeleton um, emerging from, uh, from, from the floor, as it were, from the underworld, carrying uh, the coat of arms. It's called the Death, Death to Heaven. And let me see what the meaning of that is. Okay, it's a medallion. And of course, in the movie, uh, the medallion um, uh, gives access to, a, to a, a room underneath this chapel where uh, they find the first murdered uh, cathedral. So the medallions with portraits of the Shigi forebears are Bernini's design, the medallions on the, on the um, uh, pyramids, as is the skeleton depicted as though rising from the flat pavement in colored marbles. This is a burial chapel, and Bernini's skeleton appears to rise from the crypt in response to both the aforementioned zodiac... Okay, there's zodiac signs on the ceiling of the dome. 
and especially to the outstretched arms of a beckoning God the Father depicted by Raphael at the apex of the dome. Oh, now I understand it. So the picture of the skeleton, oh yeah, you can see it uh, up there in the, there's a kind of a golden dome and in the center is an image of God the Father and indeed he's stretching out his arms as if to um, welcome the deceased into his oh. eternal light. And so the skeleton is actually reaching towards, it's, it's like the symbol of the people that die and, uh, and they reach out to God the Father to save them from, from the death. Um, the meaning of the skeleton made, is made explicit in the inscription Mors at celos, death to heaven. Now let's see, I think there was even... Um, so the, um, the skeleton in the movie uh, gives access to this um, underground crypt and apparently according at least to this information there is indeed a crypt hidden underneath the floor of this side chapel although the crypt is very different from what you see in the movie the crypt contains another pyramid underground that is presumably Raphael's work the redundant imagery which was only relatively recently discovered probably served as a subterranean ossuary or housing for bones to accompany the purely symbolic function of the pyramid tombs in the chapel. Much of this information contradicts the idea that Bernini could have invented the imagery of the Shigi chapel, much less a path of illumination that traverses the city of Rome. In finishing the chapel decoration, for example, he carved two major figures, etc. Oh, that's the story about Daniel and Habakkuk and the angel. So, again, the symbolism if you know the whole story of the chapel is quite different and quite clear also than um, the uh, symbolism in the story told by Dan Brown where it's just a mere hint at uh, the next location of this path of illumination in reality everything that is depicted here in this chapel um, uh, where of course the, the, the family of the Chigis were buried uh, points towards uh, death eternal life and salvation and redemption and so um, there's actually nothing strange about it. It's all, it all fits the, uh, the age-old Christian message that this life on earth is, uh, is just a beginning and that we will live on. Um, and if we want to, we can live on forever in God's presence, which is called heaven. So but very interesting to know that there is indeed a space underneath this, uh, this chapel floor with this uh, impressive mosaic made by Bernini. So in the movie, of course, this is all done with dramatic lighting and then, you know, once they go underground and they discover the first horrific murder of, uh, of the first cardinal, uh, you could hear the people in the theater just, you know, shivering. It's like, oh no. <laughs> and it was quite gruesome. Again, easy to understand that uh, the people that are responsible for this church didn't want um, the uh, movie makers to uh, film such a gruesome murder in, you know, for real in, in this church. And so they had to rebuild the church digitally and with models and uh, set pieces. And they did a pretty good job because uh, when you watch the movie and you see the real thing right here in front of me, I have to say that it is, uh, it, you know, the movie does an admirable job recreating these uh, locations and uh, this artwork by Bernini. 
So Robert Langdon has concluded that the angel is pointing him back towards the Vatican. And of course, everybody is still in uh, St. Peter's Square waiting for white smoke to come from the, um, the chimney of the Sistine Chapel to indicate that a new pope has been chosen. And so there's this huge crowd on St. Peter's Square in the evening. Robert Langdon knows that's where he has to, to go. That is probably where he will find another um, indication left by Bernini, indicated by Galileo, about this path of light. And it might also be the location of the second murder of the second abducted cardinal. And so, just like Robert Langdon, I am going to head out of this church, step outside, and we are going to walk back to the Vatican once more. This is going to be <laughs> quite a good physical exercise for me to just run around in Rome visiting all these locations. But there we go, we have uh, visited our first um, uh, Bernini location of the story of angels and demons. I hope you found this information uh, useful and interesting. If so, um, please consider leaving a review and a rating, hopefully a positive one, on iTunes. And if you want to have more information, if you want to download previous episodes of this show or uh, find other programs that I produce, then uh, why don't you head over to the website of the StarQuest Production Network at www.sqpn.com. Thanks for listening to this episode. The next one, we will, we will, um, we will be back at St. Peter's Square and I will uh, talk a little bit about this, uh, this mysterious new sign and whether it's really left by Bernini or whether it has another origin. We will also talk more about the conclave and how that works and how the Pope is elected and you know the whole story about the smoke and everything, the Sistine Chapel, uh, but all that. We will save that for the next episode of The Secrets of Angels and Demons. From a beautiful, sunny Piazza del Popolo, I am Father Roderick. See you next time, and God bless. Open the doors and tell the world the truth. SQPN. Leading the way in Catholic new media.